Galatians is all about the gospel. Uh, I made the mistake of assuming the gospel, maybe some of you have done the same, uh, that the gospel is uh, for the lost person, for the unsaved. The gospel is for them to get saved, and then once you're kind of saved, you just kind of hear it when someone else needs to get saved. Uh, the ABCs of Christianity, uh, we've heard that A, admit, B, believe, C, a call, choose. And then that's kind of the gospel right there, as easy as a child. And yes, it's all of that. But the, uh, the gospel is not just the ABCs of Christianity. It's the A to Z of Christianity, not just for non-Christians, but for the Christians as well. We need it to thrive and survive. Um, and I'll pray. We'll tell a little bit of a story. and We'll get right into it. Lord, we thank you so much for this night. I thank you for your goodness hearing the people read your word aloud. I pray that you just would watch over us, that the Spirit would move and uh, help me, Lord, to be a base and to humble myself. May pride be in a subjection. May I not say anything that I would like to say, Lord, but may it be all from your word through me as we just go line upon line. And I pray that it would be honoring to you. I pray that it would be true to your word, to the historical context, uh, to how you gave it to Paul and to the church of Galatians, uh, that we would receive it in the same manner with us this, morning, uh, this evening to uh, just move, help us, Lord, control the spirit, control the room, uh, control the voice and just the uh, the pattern and just everything that goes on and said, uh, give us the right words that would just honor and glorify and uplift you tonight, please. In Christ we pray. Amen. So going to that concept of the gospel, is it for the uh, Christian? Is it for the lost, the unlost? Uh, maybe just a Sunday morning type sermon. What is it? I remember when I was interning my first year here, that would have been back 2010, maybe 2011, uh, when I was here just as a young little tyke, still just past 20 years old. And I came here, we were eating dinner with, there's three other interns there, and we were eating along Pastor and Miss Brown's table. And one of the interns named Mike, you may remember him, you may not, uh, he was telling Pastor, he was a little bit more of a bold, unusual character type mind. He would say something that would be a little bit more crash, not crash, crass. Crass. Maybe not crude, but maybe a little bit crude. I guess that's the def whatever the def definition of crass is. It's all those synonyms as well. And so he was that type of individual. And he remember, I remember it was a Sunday morning pastor preached. I believe it was a gospel style me uh, message, but he went on to tell pastor, I just don't really enjoy Sunday morning messages. In fact, even the one today. And then we're just eating our food, and it's just it's so it's the spirit. It's just awkward. You just I'm just looking down at my food, just eating like this the whole time through, and it was just trying to get through. and And it was a good, educated conversation, but I didn't really know what I even believed at that point in time. And he said, "Well, just Sunday mornings, if you think about it, it's just the gospel, just for people to call upon the Lord, and for those that are saved, we just sit by. We know Jesus died on the cross, He rose again." And, and, you know, we, we go through. I like the other services. I get a little bit more, more out of it. And Pastor gave him a great answer, so, so great of an answer that I did not recall what it was. Uh, but it was, it was good, trust you, me. And we, we went on just to continue eating. I didn't look too much around the table after that. But it was a good time. It was a good spirit. Uh, but that's exactly kind of my thought, too, a little bit towards the gospel. It's for the unsaved. It's for the lost, for them to come into the church, to hear the gospel and get saved and walk an aisle. Uh, the old sawdust trail, right? That's the gospel. That's the salvation's message. Uh, but here we're going to look into it. Paul in Galatians is going to tell them all that they need is in the gospel of God's unmerited favor 
through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. He wants them to live out the gospel in their everyday life, the truths of the gospel. And here are some of the truths of the gospel. It transforms our hearts, our thinking, and our approach to everything. When we have the gospel in the right mind frame, it transforms from the inside out. The gospel, what is it? It's the message that I am more wicked than I could ever imagine or dare, but more loved and accepted in Christ than I could ever dream or hope. First, that I am so wicked that I could ever even imagine, but yet I am so loved and accepted in Christ and Jesus that I couldn't even hope for or dream. And this is what creates that change that I need for growth, for obedience, and for love. It truly simply is, it's radical. When it grips into you, it changes you, and you can't even stop what's happening from, uh, from it taking place. The gospel, it's that sweetness that comes after we realize we we grip ourselves into uh, its offense. It's a little bit offensive, isn't it, to tell people that you are not worthy, that you cannot do anything on your own to reach heaven. It's the fact that you are more wicked than that you would ever even know. And when you tell it to people, it is harsh. It is a, a big pill to swallow. I'm not that bad of a person, but in Jesus's eyes and all of us, We are all a little bit of messed up people, aren't we? We have our own pride. We have our own directions. We have our own uh, abilities to kind of pride what we want to do. And here we realize through the gospel, uh, verse number four, uh, that we are helpless and that we need delivered, that we need to be rescued. Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. We're going to get right back into that. But when we don't fully grasp the gospel, we come to the same conclusion that our intern friend Mike did, that it's just for the unlost, or it's just for the lost, the unsaved. It's just for those people that come in on a Sunday morning that had never been to church before. But friend, today the Bible, the message, the gospel, it's for all of us. It's for the saved and the unsaved. Uh, The Bible itself is the book. It is good news. Jesus is not part of the Bible story. He is the point of every story in the Bible. And the Bible all points to Jesus' redemptive narrative history. The whole book is the gospel. It's all about Jesus and what he has done for us. It's the gospel from cover to cover, and it is for each each and every one of us. So we're going to look into the gospel. Here's the quotes. We're going to tell you what Galatians has been called uh, throughout history. We're going to give you some context and then we're going to dive in. So this is a little bit of foundation from building. I'll go fast. I will try to pause, but just listen, enjoy it. I will fight my own inhibitions to continue, and we're going to have a good time. So here's some quotes by Keller. The gospel is not only the way to enter the kingdom, it is the way to live in the kingdom. Here's one by Andrew Browning. The gospel is the answer to all of life, not just the end of it. That one was big for me. Sometimes I only bring the gospel up when I say, "Are you if you were to die today, But I realized in my life and the people when their marriage with their family, they need the gospel more than just the end of their life. They need the gospel every day of their life. And then here's one from uh, Kerry Schmidt. The gospel is not the door of salvation alone. It is the ocean that you plunge into when you become saved. And that's what we get to experience. That's what we get to see through the book of Galatians. Here's what Galatians has been called uh, just throughout a little bit of history, if you care for that. The Magna Carta of Christian liberty or the spiritual emancipation. It's been called the Christian's Declaration of Independence. 
It's been known as the battle cry of the Reformation. Uh, Martin Luther, this last Sunday, uh, they would have celebrated Reformation Day when Martin Luther would have penned this 95 thesis 504 years ago when he uh, confronted the Catholic Church and he nailed those in. Uh, he would, it would have been known as the battle cry of the Reformation. Uh, Luther was saved while reading Galatians chapter 3. Uh, and that's when he was converted. He was changed. He even goes on to say that the Galatians, he's married to it. It is to be his Catherine. Catherine was his wife's name. Uh, just a little bit interesting study there. Looking at Galatians, it truly transformed that man's life. And it led him to literally shake up the Catholic Church as we know it. Uh, so a historical context, uh, in 50 AD, give or take two years, so it could have been 48 to 52. This is when the book of Galatians was written. It was actually Paul's second book he ever wrote, or not ever, second book that he wrote out of the 13, 14, Kenny Hebrews, uh, uh, book 20 years. And uh, this book of Galatians was written 20 years after Jesus ascended to heaven. So it's fresh on the scene. The new church is just 20 years old. Uh, Jesus had just left. The world's being shaken up by all these apostles, by the new message. Uh, Christendom is just, it is fresh. It is awesome. It is new. It is just sweeping in town to town. But yet also with that sweep, there's a lot of growing populations of unrest and uncertainty and pure hate uh, towards this. So we're going to look into Galatia. I do have a couple different things. Oh, you can just leave that little word cloud up there of Galatians there. They can spend time looking for all the different words. Oh, there's that too. You guys saw that inside your uh, handouts there. That's everything there. But we'll just leave this on the cover. I don't have much other stuff, but I do have that map. So let's show that map. I know people just get lost in maps. Uh, but this is Paul's first missionary journey. Galatia is not a town or a church like Ephesus is. Uh, Ephes the church of Ephesians, Ephesus in Ephesians. Uh, Galatian... Galatia is actually a region, it's modern day Turkey, and at the southern region of Turkey, you would have these four, you're not going to be able to see that, but there'd be four churches there, uh, Antioch, Lystra, and Acts 14 tells us after Paul left Lystra, he actually got stoned and they thought he died there. Uh, he also started a church in Iconium and in Derby. And Paul's first missionary journey, if you're here to look at it, it would be some great extra resource to go along with Galatians, Acts 13, Acts 14, in Acts 15, they coincide with the book of Galatians. Paul is coming back to the church of Galatia uh, after he left his first missionary journey. So he is correcting what takes into these churches. Remember, not one church, a group of churches, all in one region, Galatia. Paul's going to that. So we see his first missionary journey, uh, 13, 14 of Acts, and then the great debate over Gentile converts in Acts 15. And I'm not going to explain much of it. Uh, you can look it over, you can read it. Uh, but there's a Jerusalem opposition group known as the Judaizers, and they are demanding for non-Jewish Christians to follow the Old, Old Testament law, Mosaic law there. And Galatians call this in 2.16, the work of the, the works of the law. And they would be the diet, the customs, the dress, circumcision. It would be all these things. In fact, if you want to look at 6.12, Galatians 6.12 here, here's what the Judaizers were telling all the new converts that they had to do. And as many as desire to make a fair show, uh, a good showing in the flesh, that is, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Did you catch that? They're going to just grown adults here, going to churches with adults in there and telling them, demanding them to be circumcised. Right now, we have a giant growing population of mobile uh, COVID-19 mobile vaccination units. 
these little vans and trucks, they go everywhere outside of the businesses. That's the little people that are setting up their cert tents outside their churches and not just saying, hey, we can circumcise you. They're demanding them. They're pushing them inside the tents, snips and everything. And these guys are going in at it and they're setting up these tents and they're demanding that they be circumcised in order to continue to follow Christ. And Paul hears this and we're going to look and see what Paul happens here. And this is some good stuff. So this is the great debate in Acts 15. Uh, it goes on to say some more things. Let's go on to a little bit more context and we'll get right with it. Uh, they were teaching that these Gentile converts had to absorb, observe all the dietary laws and to be circumcised for full acceptance and to be completely pleasing to God. And Paul addresses these social issues and as well as racial issues. Uh, Jew and Gentile, there's a big racial uh, divide there. And he brings back unity in chapters 3 and 4. We won't near reach that. But what an interesting thing to make sure the church house is not filled with racial divisions, not filled with cultural divisions. We're to be the Acts 2 church where multiple ethnicities came together in unity and with one accord. So Paul's going to confront these things. And then even though these are non really issues of today, we're not dealing with these issues in Mosaic Law right now. But the truths that Paul continues to say through Galatians, uh, they, are, they are just awesome. They're far-reaching. Uh, there are culture divisions uh, from the disunity of the Galatian churches. He says, Paul says, they are due to a confusion about the nature of the gospel. They had divisions. They had racial issues, all because they didn't understand the gospel. And I wonder today in our churches, if we have the gospel wrong, we're going to have all sorts of things come up from it because just like the church of Galatians had to see here. So we're going to dive in some of that. We'll go back to 1.6 of Galatians. We're look, you guys are listening great. I'll slow down my talk here. We're kind of down past the introduction. We're doing good. Are we following? I'm sorry. I got, we went through a lot here. It's going to get even more heavier and even more uh, stuff. It's going to be good. It's good. Here we go. So... We have uh, 1 verse 6. This is where Paul, we're going to look here. Uh, I marvel. All of Paul's other letters, all of his other notes to the other churches, he always has a greeting, a friendly how to do, and then a warm thanksgiving. But here in Galatians, it's his, second, it's his most emotional book, second to 1 Corinthians. Uh, but Paul is actually, he's a little bit fierce. He's a little bit ticked. He is emotional and he is, uh, in verse number 6, I marvel, that means surprised, astonished, that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. Here it is, unto another gospel. The different gospel that was creating culture divisions and strife. They were adding to, and here's a quote from J.I. Packer. Uh, he just recently died last year. Any addition to Jesus as the basis for our standing before God is a deadly subtraction. Anything that we add to Jesus is a subtraction from it and a deadly one at that. So here's the last fact before we dive into Galatians about the context of Galatians. And it's the most obvious one, but also the most unlooked, unlooked, there it is, overlooked one. You know, no, never mind. Uh, here we go. Uh, it's the last, here it is. Throughout this book, Paul expounds in detail about the gospel, uh, how it works what the gospel truly is. He, six verses, he's deeply pouring himself, six chapters, deeply pouring himself into what the gospel is. But the intended audience, if you will catch this, the descriptive breakdown of the gospel and how it helps a person get saved, it's not written to the lost. It's written to the saved people of Galatia. The gospel being broken down and described in detail is not intended for Paul's sake to the lost. 
but to the Christians. And that was, to me, mind-blowing for you guys just looking out and you're saying, next point here. But I enjoyed that thought. It's simply non-Christians, but also for believers that need to continually learn the gospel and apply it to our lives. So let's dive in. We're doing good. We're only going to get through nine verses today. So it's going to be awesome. The shock of the gospel. Paul, as he begins his letter, we just mentioned, he was shocked. There was no salutation. You can even see notes in Philippians 1, 3 through 8, Colossians 1, 3 through 8, 1 Corinthians 4, uh, I'm sorry, 1, 4 through 9. And that whole book of 1 Corinthians is literally Paul correcting sinful behaviors. And he's still correcting all those sinful behaviors. Some of them egregious. He still even gave a warm salutation of thanksgiving. It was, it was fall time feelings in the middle of uh, Galatian uh, or of Corinthian weather. So anyways, that's what happened in Corinthians. Paul, he gave him a warm salutation, but not so in Galatian, in Galatia. Here, Paul, he writes that I'm surprised. He said, I marvel. I'm astonished. I'm flabbergasted. Let's all say flabbergasted. That's what Paul was. He was shocked. He was so disrupted in spirit that he didn't even go on to commend them for anything. He went on to definitely raise his level of intensity and continue with this church. Uh, verse number six, I marvel that you see uh, that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. He said that you are so soon removed. That means that they were deserting the one who called them. Who was the one who called them? God, Jesus. Paul was shocked. He was astonished that the church of Galatia would so soon be removed, desert, leave from God. That's what Paul, that's where he's coming from. Uh, that they, the, the people of Galatia, they took to another gospel in 1-7. And then Paul says that you, uh, end of verse 6b, uh, grace of Christ unto another gospel. Verse 7, which is not another. He says it's another gospel. Then he says, but it's not even another gospel because you can't have another gospel. But there would be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So Paul is calling out those uh, Galatian Christians that left the one who called them, that's God. Now he's also calling out those that are the false teachers, the ones that are leading them into uh, trouble, the one that is troubling them uh, by bringing another gospel. He's also chewing them out for perverting uh, the gospel, that word pervert. I believe I'm right there, not yet. I'm gonna tell you what that word means later on. It means the reverse, uh, but we'll look at that later as well. And indirectly, he is mad at Galatian uh, churches because they deserted God who called them. We just touched that over here. And they were told uh, that the Galatia, the teachers coming in, the Judaizers, the, the, the Jews coming into the churches of Galatia, they were telling them to keep the Mosaic law, to keep all the dietary stuff, to go get circumcised, to wear all the culturals and the, and the dress and the standards of what Moses told the people to do. And for them, they said this would make you pleasing with God. And I don't know where you are, but for me, I want to please God. Someone tells me this is what, how you please God. We naturally just go to do that because after all, it's not that hard to do. They please God. And so to the Galatians, this probably wasn't much of a difference from what they had been taught. But surely the whole point of Christian life is to please God. But for Paul, he says that they perverted the gospel. He says them telling them this stuff on top of the gospel was another gospel. And also he says uh, it was a complete reversal of all what he has been telling you. So now we're going to break down to 1 verse 1. Uh, Paul, or Galatians 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle, 
Paul defines himself. He describes himself. In order for him to give the unction that he's about to do, he says, I'm an apostle. Before he can even utter two Greek words here, he says, not of men, neither by man. He says, I was not sent from by men or by man, but commissioned directly from the risen Jesus. Acts 9 tells us this. And it wasn't just a vision. There's other people with Paul that heard the voice from the sky uh, that talked to Paul there. And so he was called by the risen Jesus. Uh, today, we have pastors, we have pastors and ministers. They are sent by God. But and we're going to look here. Let me look. I don't want to mess it up here. They are, they are sent by the Holy Spirit. They are not from men either. But here we go. The call from Jesus and their authority is from the word of God. So they are sent just like Paul was, but a little bit different here. Not by the actual risen Jesus. Uh, we now are sent by the Holy Spirit and not from men, but we all are appointed by man. That word by means, the Greek word means dia, diameter. It means to go through. And so we are called from God through man. Pastor, when he came here in 2010, he had the call to preach. He had the call from God on high. He had the authority from the Bible. He has his call from, the, from Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Bible. He doesn't need man to call him. But he had man, I'm sorry, he doesn't need man to send him. He had man to, uh, he was, wait a minute, he called from God through man. I don't want to get this mixed up. That means when he came here in 2010, he got voted on. A church unanimously voted him in to be the pastor. That's how we do things now. Or if someone is sitting under the sound preaching of the gospel right now, and they say, I am calling, the Lord's calling me to, to, to Zimbabwe. I feel the Lord leading me to be a missionary. That is God taking his spirit, working on that person through a man, a mediator. It's still God sending them, but it's a, it is through man. Does that make sense? I want to be careful. I don't want to say something that's wrong and then pastors clear up everything on Sunday and he'll say, what happened here? You're out of here. Anyways, they are called by the Holy Spirit. They have their authority from the word of God, but they are, uh, they are, through man, meaning the, the congregation, they vote them in. We'll, we'll continue past that. That's not even the thought here. So anyways, Paul, he was sent by divine authority, by Jesus himself. And this is Paul stating right off the bat that he had to, he had to describe himself so they understood where he was coming from. He had divine authority. He also had a divine message. Verses 8 and 9, it's the gospel. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached. That was his divine message. It was the gospel. And we're going to break it down. What is the gospel? It's in verse 4. We're about to get there. Here you go. You guys are listening great. Are you with us tonight? Are we doing good? I got you guys a little bit off track by the whole apostle stuff. Just get past that. Here we go. Uh, we are a divine message, the gospel, 8 and 9. So what is the gospel? Verse, uh, 1 verse 4 tells us that. Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Paul broke down in one quick, short way, but comprehensive way, the entire gospel. Let's break it down here. He said, who we are, we are helpless, we are lost, we need to be delivered. That means to be rescued. He said, we have to come to that spot where we realize that we need deliverance. And that deliverance comes then later by Jesus and Jesus, the amazing thing about this compared to all other religions is Jesus, he wasn't just a teacher, though he was phenomenal at teaching. All other founders of religions, they taught. Jesus did more than just teach. 
He rescued, he delivered, he healed, and that was the work of Christ, not just to teach, though he did. His whole purpose of coming was to rescue. It was to seek and to save that which was lost. Someone's drowning out in the ocean. I'm not going to throw them a manual and say, that's a manual how to swim. We're going to throw out a rope to them and pull them in. All other religions, just tell them and teach them stuff. But only Jesus, Christianity, it is simply and foremost, it is a rescue mission. What Jesus did for a, this is what Jesus did. It's going to get real good. Are you guys ready for this? Jesus rescued us for, I'm sorry, where are we? Who gave himself for our sins. That word for is literally mean, uh, for means on behalf of or in place of. It's where we get this big word called substitutionary. Jesus was our substitute. He died, here it is, in behalf of or on behalf of or in place of. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Scott Pauley says, uh, he took my sin so I can have his salvation. He took my hell so I can have his heaven. That's the gospel right there. That's what Jesus did for us. I better see a smile on your faces. Good night. We're only talking about the gospel here. Here it is. Uh, that's what that's what Jesus did. Here's what the Father did. God accepted the work of Christ on our behalf. Verse one one. Uh, neither by man but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. Here's what He did. Who raised Him from the dead. That's what God did. That's what the Father did. Here's what God did. One four verse D. According to the will of God and our Father. Here's what God God did through it. It was all out of grace. It was all out of the will of God. If you haven't realized by now, I have no merit that I can offer. I have absolutely nothing. And oh my goodness, there are filthy rags. I can't give anything to God. But God the Father, according to His will, according to sheer grace, He reclaimed us. He let Jesus do all of this, our substitute for us. This is why verse number five is here. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Can we get a glory to God in the house? That is what God did. If we contribute our rescue or our salvation is if God has seen something deserving in us, then we could share in some of that glory. But I want to tell you, not of works, not of, uh, not of works, not of yourselves or of works. It is entirely the grace, the gift of God. It is grace through faith. And that is what the gospel is. The biblical gospel is clear that salvation from first to last is God's doing. It's his calling. It's his plan. It's his action. It is his work. Verse number five, give him glory now and forever. Amen. And then it also is, like we said before, it's a humbling truth. We love to be our own saviors, to manufacture glory for ourselves. I heard a great quote earlier. Christ, who is full of glory, emptied himself. I, who am full of vainglory, extol myself, lift up myself. Oh man, I am such a wicked sinner, prideful. I say that jokingly, but we are, aren't we? We only lift up. What do we even lift up? The Bible says filthiness as filthy rags. I don't want to go on to what those even rags mean. I'm going to tell you right now, because if I don't tell you, 
That's what we think that we are good. The Bible says all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. And that word filthy right there is referring to the, the menstrual cycle there. And that's what the rags are. All of our good deeds there are the rags there. I say that a little bit disgusting, but doesn't that just make you realize all the good that I have? God says that they're filthy, that it's unrighteous, that it's, it's unholy. And yet we try to pride on the fact that we are good people. And so we think, but all of, the, all of my vainglory, I try to lift up. If we can, only, we, can, we can only grasp the gospel's sweetness if we first grapple with its offense. The gospel starting off, it is a little offensive. It tells me I am everything wrong with myself. And we are, are we not? But Paul reminds us, here's real sweet. This is, this is real good right here. Paul reminds us that in the gospel, we are both brought lower and raised higher than we could ever imagine. Through the gospel, I am brought lower, but yet I am raised even higher. And verse number five, glory to God for all what he has done. So here is why Paul is coming out heated. It's to revise, to revise the gospel is to reverse the gospel. To add to it is to take it all away. You can't do it. Paul says uh, in verse 6b, they, they, they add he's marveling unto another gospel, which is not another. When you add to it, when you revise it, you reverse it. If you add to it, you take it all away. It's a, it, I'm not going to say what the English word is. I don't know what that is. I was saying non sequitur, but I don't know what that is. Anyways, verse 1-6, God, God called us. We didn't call him, and God accepted us right away despite our lack of merit. Isn't that amazing that God called us? We didn't call him, and then he accepted us, he accept, accepted us instantly with our lack of of merit here. And verse 1, 7, any teaching which adds to the Mosaic ceremony law to faith in Christ, it perverts the gospel. It reverses the gospel is what Paul is saying. That word pervert means. It means it makes the gospel null and void. When they added these things, what they also had to do, it made the gospel of, of no effect. They added another gospel. Here's a commentary on Galatians from Martin Luther. It's a little bit lengthy. Bear with me. There is no middle ground between Christian righteousness and works righteousness. There is no other alternative to Christian righteousness but works righteousness. If you do not build your confidence on the work of Christ, you must build your confidence on your own work. And so today, oh man, we're doing, we're doing, are we doing good today? I got one more sip of water in here and that means I'm almost done. Oh, I got one more sip. So we are losing the gospel today. What does Paul say the gospel if we add to it? We are too sinful to contribute to our own salvation, and we are saved by belief in Jesus' work on the cross, the grace of Christ plus nothing else. A couple different wrong views. I'm not going to get into it. This is a lot. It's meteor. It's, it's heavy. But here we go. Here's some wrong gospels. A majority of belief uh, of people that you just talked to on the, on the sidewalk today about how would you know you're going to heaven? You hear it. If you just talk, ask anybody if, if they were to die today, they generally say, I believe I'm a something person. What do they normally say there? A good person. They say as, as it really doesn't matter as long as you are a loving and good person. And these individuals, they can't fathom their sin is a reproach to God. It's exactly how I described it as the filthy rags. You tell it to somebody and all their niceness and sweetness, if you really tr truly talk to someone that's just devout thinking that they are a good person and earning their way to heaven, it just blows their mind to realize that their sin can't earn them to heaven. And, and, and when they believe, if they believe this lie, this other gospel, it makes the gospel offer 
The gospel offer exclusive, not inclusive. And the gospel is inclusive. Whosoever will for all. It's not just for the good. It's not just for the people that are, are uh, have money or wealth or you name it. And, and that is, that's wrong over there. If good people can know God, then Jesus' death was not necessary. And I'm here to tell you today that it doesn't matter if you're good, righteous, poor, sick, dying. We need Jesus in our life in order to have salvation. The next false gospel is a surrender to Christ plus right beliefs and behaviors. Listen to that. It's a surrender to Christ plus the right beliefs and behavior. In actuality, this teaches that we are saved because of the level of our faith. But the gospel says we are saved through our faith. It's not the level, but the object of our faith that saves us. It's not Christ plus these things. And then the last one, it was just plain wrong. That's what Paul's trying to correct here. Uh, it was when they look at the false teachers of Galatia, they added rules, regulations, having to do with dress, diet, ritual observances. If you want to turn to 4 verse 10, uh, Galatians 4 10. Ye observe days and months and times and years. That was the old Jewish Sabbath calendar. It was what Paul was telling him, don't go back to that. Jesus saved us, and it is simply the gospel. It is simply Jesus alone, not the, the, these uh, mosaic law that, that Paul is refuting and going on to. So God calls us and accepts us, then we follow him. That's it. That's the gospel. God calls us, we follow him. False religions say, Hold on one second. That was something else. Uh, so we simply here to say that uh, we just need to simply continue to follow God, uh, that we just are called by God. He accepts us and we follow him. We are his work. So strong, stand strong in the Bible. Follow it. Uh, get your family serving the Lord. Get your family protected in God's grace, God's goodness. Uh, love the scriptures, love people, and don't ever get off to a spot to where we are like the church of Galatia, where we are coming in and telling people where they stand with the Lord, uh, especially in areas where, where scriptures is silent. We believe the Holy Spirit will give each family, each person, I can't say this word, specificity. That means I have three kids. I do not all the time deal with them exactly the same. Any parent could understand that. I can't treat Jane the same as June, the same as Joel, and just give them a blanket answer. So everything I can do, there's obviously things and rules that apply to all my kids. But for different kids' temperaments and attitudes and different people's makeup and personalities, I parent them differently than my other two children. We have a Holy Spirit. I don't know what Brother Gary's going to do tomorrow. I don't know what Brother Frisay and Brother Coach is going to do tomorrow, but it's not my job. It's the Holy Spirit. I believe the Word of God. I stand for the Word of God. And when I'm uncertain because Scripture doesn't give specificity, the Holy Spirit will work in our lives because we are His work. You're not Bible Baptist Church's work. You're not pastor's work. You're not my work. Praise the Lord. You are God's work. So if you're uncertain in anything, that's where you go to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to help you in these areas. God's work is not a machine shop that's just manufacturing one after the other till we all cut dry and look the same. God's work is a greenhouse where we are nurtured. The seed is sown. We have time. We grow. We develop. Some are trees over here. Some are baby plants over here. No one's getting stomped on. No one's getting thrown out. We are protected by the environment of the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and we grow at our own pace. It's slower, 
but it's truer. It's more pure. It is not conformity. It is transformation. And this is what Paul is telling the church of Galatia. He is saying it is the gospel. Anything else is another gospel. And if it's another gospel, guess what? It's not the gospel. This is the most yelling I've ever done. And I stinking love it. So here we go. This, this is what Paul is saying. If it's another gospel, it's not the true gospel. 1.8 says, if anyone preaches any other gospel that we have preached, the gospel. I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Let me read the Bible. Uh, 1 verse 8, here it is. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. An anathema, let him literally be damned. This is what Paul is saying to the church. If anyone comes in and says, anything else that I or the other capital A apostles commissioned by Jesus himself, now we get to preach it because they pass it down to us through his word. When we preach the gospel, uh, verse 1-4, if you add anything else to it, let them be accursed. And then he repeats it in verse number 9. And if that wasn't enough to get you all knowing what the gospel is, sometimes you talk to people, they have their own experience, maybe near-death experience. I don't care if it was literally an angel from God. If an angel came flapping in wings and all and tells you another gospel, we say, you, get out of here, angel. We could have so much to talk about, but you went straight into another gospel. Why did you lead off with that? We could have talked so long, but he started off with another gospel. And Paul says, hypothetically, even if it's an angel from God, preach to you another gospel, let him be a curse. And why it matters is because to abandon the gospel theology is to abandon Christ personally. Why was Peter, why was Paul so tied up and wrapped up in this? Because it is tied to Jesus himself. Removing yourself from the one who called you. Another gospel is this in 1.6. It removes, it deserts from the one who calls you. We're just doing a review right now. Uh, another gospel is not another gospel at all. That's 1.6b and verse 7. And another gospel brings condemnation. Last two thoughts and we're close. Different gospels bring in a curse. Altering the gospel is to play with eternal life and death, but also that fear, anxiety, and guilt. That's the sense of condemnation. will always be attached to different gospels. Did you catch that? If you have a guilt of fear, anxiety, or guilt, that, those are all the senses of these cursings that come from another gospel. So even Christians sometimes experience a sense of condemnation. And in those times, functionally, they are trusting in another gospel. This is why Paul came out of the gate swinging. Uh, I heard MacArthur, MacArthur say, I don't fear you believing another gospel. I fear you tolerating another gospel. And so today, Bible Baptist Church, we got to stand true to the gospel of Christ. And it is that that we have the power. And to God be glory forever. Lord, we thank you so much just for this great night. Lord, I truly enjoy myself. Uh, this was definitely a joy preaching your word. And I believe it was such a joy because it was your word, Lord. It wasn't mine. And I thank you for just speaking through. I pray that it was an upliftment. Uh, encouragement to the believers in here today that you would equip us, that you would encourage us, challenge us, Lord, and just give us a great night as we rest, give pastor greatness, Lord, and uh, just that you just would watch over us and help us to truly stand guard 
Help us to protect the gospel. Help us to live out the gospel or help us to uh, proclaim the gospel. Help us to uh, display the gospel. Help us to truly be true to the gospel and not do anything that would make it another gospel for that literally obliviates it, Lord. I pray that we love you, live for you, please. In Christ we pray, amen. All right, everybody, you are dismissed. Thank you.